Amen. So today I want to talk about prayer. And the, these last few weeks we've been talking about prayer and how we, how we do that individually and how we, um, how we just, prayer is talking to God. Uh, but today, like I talked with the kids, we're going to be talking about how p- praying together is, is just as important as praying by ourselves. He, he says that, that we're a, a kingdom of priests, he, that, that he has put us together to accomplish uh, the kingdom, that the kingdom would, would advance. And so he, this is a kingdom, there is one king, and, and there is his domain. And, and he calls us and he gives us authority to pray, but he wants us to come together and pray. He wants us to seek his face and pray together. And, and so that's what we're going to be focusing on um, but I want to just read a few quotes, uh, some encouraging, some convicting. Um, I, I just one of these quotes just really convicted me. Uh, this these last couple of weeks, I've just been thinking about it. Uh, but we need God's truth. We need. Um, truth because it sets us free. It sets us free from uh, just living complacency, living, living uh, in, in a way that, um, um, that, like we talked about last week, that we can pray dangerous prayers, that we can pray prayers that uh, require us to get on our knees and, and seek God with our whole heart. And so I'm, I'm reading a, f- a few quotes from this man named uh, Leonard Ravenhill. And uh, he was a, a, a priest preacher in England. He was born in England, and then in his, in his midlife, he came to the U.S., and he continued to, to preach, and he was an evangelist. And so uh, if, it, if it cuts to your heart, it's because he is, is, is speaking this out of the Spirit, and, and, um, and, he, and you, can, you can find a lot of his stuff on YouTube, uh, but he's just, he's just got this pure heart that wants revival prayer. He's, he, he wants revival. And, and so that is his heart. He's genuine when he's, when he's speaking to us in, in these different quotes. So I'm going to start with, he says that a man, he's talking about prayer, a man or woman may study because their brain is hungry for knowledge, even Bible knowledge. But he or she prays because their soul is hungry for God. Because their soul is hungry for God. That's why they pray. The second quote, the one that's been just on my mind, just seared in my mind, is he he said, Sunday morning service shows how popular your church is. The evening services, which would be our Wednesday night service, your evening services show how popular your pastor is. Your private prayer time shows you how popular God is. God wants us. God, God wants to get a hold of our heart that we would seek him wholeheartedly. And he's not going to relent. He's not going to let go until he has it all because he loves you. He loves you with a whole heart. Another quote he said is, prayer is not the preparation for battle. It is the battle. And so unless we choose to draw near together, we won't see dynamic prayer displayed. And, and he wants us uh, to pray together. It's, we see God's power as we pray, to, pray together. Two examples that come to my mind. Shortly is like um, our our 
our, one of our missionary teams, they went to India and they wanted to uh, support this minister and, um, and they went there, but they didn't have the funds to, to support them monthly. And so they, they continued, uh, what they did was they came back and they prayed. They prayed together as a team and, and they asked God for funds. And uh, ACS at the time uh, came onto our property and they, they installed this tower. And, and when they prayed, they prayed for a specific amount. And, and when um, that the ACS came at the time, they said that they would give that specific amount every month. And all that money goes towards building churches and, and building the kingdom of God in India. And so when we come together and we pray, when we, we seek God together, God responds in a dynamic way. Another example is when, um, when my, my parents, we were living in a townhouse in Douglas, and uh, they, were, um, they were looking to buy a, a new home because our family from India was coming, and, and they needed a, a house that could provide for multiple families in a house. And so they had this house in mind, and so whenever we drove past this house, whenever we were at home, we prayed about this house, and we asked God, we claimed it in Jesus' name, and God provided that home. And what that did was it taught Jasmine and I that, that when we seek God together as a family, when we seek him together, God responds. And so when we pray together, God responds dynamically Because Jesus is the one who draws us near together for one another, to seek him together. And so, like I I said today, that we're going to talk about uh, Elijah and how he... um, he was praying and he was seeking God. And, and the chapter that we're in is 1 Kings chapter 18. And I'm going to paraphrase about, about the first 15 verses and then we'll read it because it's such a powerful story. But what had happened was the people were in the nation were, were numb to God. And so what, what uh, Elijah did was he prayed this dangerous prayer. He, he prayed that it wouldn't rain. And so as he prayed this, God answered that prayer. And it didn't rain for three years. And then God said, okay, Elijah, it's time. I'm going to bring the rain. And so that's what's happening in verse 1. And so in the third year, God commanded Elijah to return to King Ahab. And, and God says that he, to Elijah, we're, he's going to bring the rain back on the face of the earth. And so Elijah left the place where he was. And meanwhile, what was happening when when God was talking to Elijah, what was happening was they ran out of water. And so they were having to uh, decide, if if we don't find water, we're going to have to start killing our our livestock, our our cattle. And so the king and this man named Obadiah, uh, he, he sent them, he sent Obadiah out to go find water. And so, so, they, so they split up in opposite directions. And so as Obadiah is on the way, he uh, encounters Elijah. And he can't even believe that Elijah is right in front of him. He even has to ask, are you, are you Elijah? And, and Elijah says, yeah, um, 
And what Elijah does is he says, uh, Obadiah, I want you to go to the king and I want you to tell him that I'm here and, and I'd like to talk with him. And, and of course, Obadiah is like, well, um, are you sure you're going to be here when I come back? And so, um, excuse me. And so we pick it up in verse 17. It says, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is this you? And so, again, just to recap, Elijah is waiting in the spot. Obadiah goes and he gets King Ahab and King Ahab comes to this location. And Ahab says to him, is this you? You troubler of Israel. He said, I have not. And and this is Elijah speaking. He said, I have not troubled Israel. But you and your father's house have, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed the Baals. And so, as we just unwrap these scriptures, one thing to see in this story is that man cannot separate God's covenant from his people. Not even a king can separate himself and the nation from God. God made a promise when when we asked him into our heart. He made a promise that even when we weren't following him, that he would come and he would leave the 99 and he would come after the one. And so God's heart is complete, it's whole, it's, it, he wants us to draw near to him. And so God is about to remind the people of his covenant. And so verse 19 it says, he says, Now summon all Israel to join me out at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel. And so what had happened is they had left God and they were following another spiritual voice in their life. Something else was feeding them spiritually. And so Elijah, he gets personal with them. He says, King Ahab, not only do I want those 450 prophets, I want you to go to the, to, to the main ones that sit at your queen's table, and I want you to bring them too. I want you to, to join me, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to talk. We're going we're gonna to see whose God is really God. Verse 20, it says, So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel... And the prophets at Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver? So, again, all the people assemble. There's like 850 prophets. Then there's God's people. And then there's just Elijah. And he confronts them. He says, How long? How long are you going to stay on the fence? How long are you? How 
How long are you going to waver? He says, how much longer are you going to waver hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. Sometimes when we, when we don't pray to God initially, it's, it's because, because we, we forget that we, uh, it's, it's really unbelief. It's, it's, it's not wanting to trust that he will satisfy us, that he will give us the help that we need. And, and so it's a, it's a form of unbelief. And so it says, but the people were complete, completely silent because it, it convicted him. It convicted them. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who's left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose. So he's, he's creating this way where the people can see who is God. And so the prophets of Baal may choose which, whichever one they wish and cut it into two pieces or cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar but without setting fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on a wood on the altar, but not set fire to it. Then call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And what Elijah is doing right here is he's acting as a mediator between God and his people. And so the God who answers by settling fire to the wood is the true God. And all the people agreed. And then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, You go first, for there are many of you. Choose one of the bulls and prepare it and call on the name of God, but do not set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar and they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, O Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. And so they danced and they were hobbling around on the altar that they had made. And about noontime, Elijah began to mock them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he is a god. Perhaps he is daydreaming or relieving himself. Or maybe he... He's away on a trip. Maybe he went on vacation. Or he's asleep and he needs to be wakened. So they shouted louder and following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. And they raved all afternoon until the time of evening sacrifice. But still there was no sound, no reply, no response. Later on in Israel's history, a prophet named Isaiah spoke about a voice. They were crying out for God to speak to them. But Isaiah, he says that, that God is not like other gods. That God has a voice. And that his voice lasts through the generations. His voice is like a refuge. I'm going to read Isaiah 40, verse 6 through 8. And he says, a voice said, shout, I asked. What should I shout? Shout that people are like the grass. 
Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers on the field, but the grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. They were seeking a voice, but they couldn't find the voice. But God, God is bringing his people to himself, and he is the voice that we're looking for. And so what Elijah was doing was he was calling the people back to repentance. There's no other door to Jesus except through the hallway of repentance. And so he's restoring what was torn down. In verse 30, this is, this is the verse. Elijah called to the people. He said, come over here. My Bible says that, come near to me. So this is a picture where God is saying, come near to me. And so they all crowded around him as he repaired the altar. That's what Jesus does. He repairs the the place where we can come and have direct access to God. And so then this amazing thing happens. Elijah, he took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. Excuse me. And he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. And then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. And so here's the picture. They were, they were just stones, but then he gathered them together as one. And he was calling them together as one to worship God. And so he piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces. And what he's doing, he's reminding the people that, that God actually called you. I'm just a mediator. I'm I'm just here, but God remembers. And he says, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. And then after they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they had finished, he said, do it a third time. And so they did it as he said, verse 35, and the water ran around the altar and even through the trench. And this was Elijah's prayer. At the usual time for offering an evening sacrifice, Elijah, the prophet, walked up to the altar and he prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. So first he calls them by their old name, their old self, and then he calls them by their new name, Prince Israel, Son Israel. He says, prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. When God calls us to pray in Isaiah 56 verse 7, He calls us to draw near to him. When we pray, God is the one who's actually calling us to come to him. We're not actually going to him first. He comes for us. 
God runs after the one sinner, the one sinner that wants to repent. And so verse 38, immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. So God answers the prayer, but he, there's a response when we pray too. So Elijah commanded, seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. So the people seized them all, and Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley, and he killed them there. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. When, when we return to God, his grace is so rich. And there is a rainstorm coming to our dry land. God brings the rain. One person plants Another one sows, and God brings the growth. Another waters, God brings the growth. Verse 42, so Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of the mountain, Carmel, and he bowed low to, to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to a servant, go and look toward the sea. The servant went and looked and, and, and then returned to Elijah and said, I don't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. And finally the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. And Elijah shouted, hurry to King Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And, the, and soon the sky was black with clouds. And a heavy wind brought a terror, terrific storm. And Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. And the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. And he tucked his cloak into his belt. And he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. God responds to prayers. God responded to their repentance. One of the pictures I want us to see in the scripture, we have to seize the things that God calls us to let go and cut them off and decide to follow him, to get off the fence and choose and hunger and thirst after him. Like that woman who, uh, when I talked about giving, who, who gave all that she had, it's about giving cheerfully to the Lord, giving all that you have to him. 
He will take what you give and multiply it. One of the many men in the Bible that prayed to God was Job. And when Job was afflicted with great harm, this harm came upon him. And what was happening was he was looking for answers. Why why is this happening to me? And God put these three friends who didn't act like friends. And they began to speak into his life because they thought that it was something that Job did that caused God to bring this suffering into his life. But it it had nothing to do with that. But Job, he he lost his family. He lost lost his, his honor in his community. He lost his wealth. He lost it all. But what he was looking for when he was praying and he was asking God, he was, he was looking for somebody to plead his case, somebody to act for him. He said, God is not a mortal like me, so I cannot argue with him. I can't take him to trial. If only there were a mediator between us, someone who could bring us together. And so what is a mediator? A mediator is a go-between. It's an expert in divine things, not to negotiate agreement or compromise, but to, to approach a deity on behalf of others. So to convey desired knowledge and reassurance with divine authority. In the Old Testament, we see this theme where God has this mediator, God would mediate through Moses. God created a covenant with God's people through Moses. In the book of Hebrews, it it, it explains that, that Jesus is better than all these mediators combined. Better than the Levitical priests. Better than Jeremiah. Better than Hosea. That Jesus is a better mediator. He's a better advocate. Somebody that we can come to and and find direct access. The biblical definition of of Jesus being this advocate in 1 John 2, 1, it says, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He is one who intercedes. He's one who advocates. He's the one who is, is there in between. And so in Romans 8.34 it says, Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he was sitting in a place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Even when we don't know what to pray, God is praying for you. God is praying for you. There is no pit deep enough that God can't find you in. Wherever we're at, whatever we can't, even when we face things, we keep 
going back to the same thing. God is our help. And you're not alone when you pray. When we pray, God wants us to pray together. God provides this example through this verse that Jesus pleads for us. This is what we call corporate prayer, where we, we join together. It's, it's together prayer. That's what it is. It's, it's together prayer. It's to, together prayer. We're praying together. And God, God gathers us to pray together, to respond to the needs of the church, to, to, to respond to what he's doing. In Acts, we find uh, the church responding to what is happening. And what was the church doing while Peter was in prison? It says in Acts 12.5 and verse 12, it says, But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. And when he realized this, he went to, home, to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where, they, where many of them gathered together. And so the church prayed together as, as one. They prayed fervently. How does God respond when the church prays together? Acts 12, 7 through 12 says, Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. And the angel struck him on the side to awaken him and say, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. And then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And he said, Now put on your coat and follow me. The angel ordered, so Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize that it was actually happening. Verse 10, and then they, they passed the first and second guard's post and came to the iron gate leading, the city, leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and, and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. And Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from the Jewish leaders who had planned to, to, to do me harm. And when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where they were gathered for prayer. And so when we pray, we first are in agreement about what we're praying for. And then we begin to pray. God is the one who brings us together to pray. It says in Revelations 5.10, and you, this is Jesus, Jesus speaking, have, have caused, caught, no, John is speaking, but Jesus, he says, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. And so he's the one who brings us together to pray. It's good that we pray together as a family. God wants us to pray as a family unit. But he, he calls us all to come and to pray together. And so I want to encourage you to, to come to our, our prayer meetings in the morning. I want to encourage you to come on Wednesday night and to pray. 
and to seek him. We're going to pray for 30 minutes. We're not going to talk. We're going to pray and seek God for help that God would move and bring breakthrough for our city. When uh, some of us are from different parts of Alaska, when you go home, join your prayer meeting at church and join because we are one together as God's body, praying together as one. What were the disciples doing as they waited for the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? The disciples, the disciples were in the upper room, continually devoting themselves to prayer. Acts 1, 13 through 14. And when they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, and that is Peter, John, and James, and Andrew, and Philip, and Thomas, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and, and Judas, the son of James. These all, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Jesus is a better Go between mediator. He is, he is better. He is our brother. He is, he is our friend. He's a friend to sinners. He is, he is our light. He is the, 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 the hand that will, he, who is our victory through trial and tribulation. When we suffer, God is with us. And Jesus provides this way where he, he shows us that he has never left us. I'm going to end with this last verse. Ephesians 2, 20 through 22 says, Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming the holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made a part of this dwelling, where God lives by his spirit. Anne was right. That, that word spoken through Anne, seek his spirit. His spirit will lead you. What is his spirit? The fruit of the spirit. We are one body, many parts, not a hierarchy. But together, brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm going to pray. Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you that you called us to be together. That, Lord, I just pray that where we need to forgive each other, Lord, that we would forgive. And that you would move on our behalf, Lord. That you would lead us together. Lord, help us to see that when we are facing something, something that is bigger than us, that you are a God who sees, that you are a God who listens, that you are a voice for all generations, God. And we ask you, God, that you would lead us this week, that you would lead us. And Lord, if we haven't found a place to pray together, God, that we would find one that 
that even Valley Church would be a home for, that your house would be a house of prayer. God, we, we look to you, God. We look to you, God. You are our strength. You are our deliverer. God, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.